0: All right, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 today. Luke 1. This is a devotional thought that has helped me periodically. It's connected to dealing with our hearts and minds, our thoughts, when we're in a time of trial. Especially the kind of trials that have an open-end possibility to them. And, you know, if it's something we're really excited about and there's a great deal of, you know, positive, possible potential outcome, we don't tend to struggle with that as much as when there's an uncertainty ahead of us. As when there's a great need or... We even maybe have something coming at us, could be physically, could be financially, could be in relationships, could be even mentally, how we think. And there's a little phrase that has helped me when I'm dealing with a situation that is unknown and that the outcome could be. Very negative. Some Someone it might be, for example, you know, they go for tests, medical tests. Or in the age we're living in, someone might have a, suffer a financial setback or maybe investments that are just literally disappearing, if you might say. Uh, it might be something to do with, you know, uh, relationships or friendships. It could be uh, something to do with uh you know your community you live in could be a legal matter, and there's a little phrase that helps me when i'm dealing with the unknown, especially if the unknown that's approaching has a potential to be quite difficult negative even you know <laughs> earth shattering on an individual or household level and the phrase is, that I say to myself, and that I've heard different varieties of it from others, not how, but who. And if you were going to be a little bit picky, perhaps you could say not how, but whom. Luke chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> now in Mary's case, in Luke chapter 1, the this angel comes unto her in verse 28. Okay, and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. and Blessed art thou among women. Uh, when she saw him, verse 29, she was troubled at his saying, Cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest. I mean, this is a positive message. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of, Dave, of, the, of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his, of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered her and said unto her, "The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee; the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee." So notice that the answer to how was a who, a whom, the Holy Ghost. Because when you say the Holy Ghost will come upon you, the power of the Highest overshadow you, that that is still a, an out there statement. So in Mary's case, uh, a, a bit of fear you might say, and, trep, and, and trepidation about. How has this come to pass? And the phrase to link with it is verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So what would feel impossible, seem impossible, for Mary, the answer wasn't a how, as much as it was a who. For with God, Nothing shall be impossible. You know, the Bible gives us so many examples of what can happen and what God does in times of need. What He does in times of no answers. What He does in times of what's next. Okay? And I was thinking through some scriptures on this subject. For me, has developed through a couple of situations where the outcome could be and, and may be yet quite negative. And our minds often go to that and we try to grab that or we try to deal with how how am I going to deal with this or how am I going to, you know, how is this going to come out? And what has helped me is not how, but who the Scripture says this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And it also says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because thou trusteth. Okay? So, what we understand is, that when we trust Him, He will keep us in perfect peace. That will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. It's Isaiah 26.3 if you're marking it. And the thing that's always helped me with Isaiah 26.3 is, that will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, colon, because He trusteth in thee. It's the who. It's the whom. When we begin in our Bible, even from the earliest stages of it, we see Abraham walking with God, Abraham being the friend of God. And we find that God reminds Abraham and promises to him and says to him and challenges him and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Genesis chapter 18 Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? And he's promising him the seed. Look at Jeremiah chapter 32. Here's a couple of verses you might decide to mark. Jeremiah chapter 32. So it's not how. In our minds, we get comfort. We get strength, you might say, stability. Uh, we breathe a little bit easier if we can have an idea of how. How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to work this out? And I would say to you a great phrase to remember in these times when it's uncertain, when it seems like there is a cloud, where there is a fog, where there's a darkness, is not how, but who? Not how, but whom? Jeremiah 32 And uh, verse 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Now, look down at verse 26. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Ready? Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He'd been giving Jeremiah instructions, telling him to buy this land ahead of time, prompt, telling him to do things that would be an act of faith, okay? Tell him to do things that would be uh, totally contrary to the circumstances that were going on at the time. But the point was, there's nothing too hard for God. The point was, nothing's going to take God by surprise. And so our faith, our rest, our hope is not in the how. But in who? It's in God. When they were talking about in Matthew nineteen, and the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about, you know, a rich man and and getting into heaven, and he said in verse twenty-three of Matthew nineteen, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Think about John chapter 3 for a moment. Think about Nicodemus' encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes and he's saluting him, so to speak, and You know, entering into the trying to get a rapport started, and the Lord Jesus Christ immediately says, You must be except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. His answer was, How how can a man be born when he's old? It's not how, it's who. In that passage he tells him, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Not how, but who. And so when that struggle is there, and, and there, there's a very real danger, we'll say, or there's a very real prospect of something dark or difficult, whether it be you know debt or disease or uh, divorce or division, well, any of those things. It's not how am I going to get through this, but who am I going to look to? Remember over there in 2 Kings chapter seven, and the man's the the prophet prophesies, and under the influence of the Lord, he tells him that there's going to be prosperity by that time the next day. And the fellow who the king trusted in, he said, if if God would open the windows of heaven, this ain't going to happen. <coughs> and yet the Lord on the Lord uh, then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see with an eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. <coughs> and he didn't. He saw it, and then they trampled him. Did God open the windows of heaven? No. No. So it wasn't the how, was it? The prophet didn't say how. He said who was going to do it. God was going to do it. And in that case, what God did was he sent them Fear, and they abandon everything and it didn't fall out of heaven. It fell out of their hands into God's people's hands. In that same book of your Bible, Second Kings, in, in chapter 4, a couple chapters before that, he told them that what they needed to do was make this valley full of ditches. He said, Thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And God did it. And when the Moabites saw the sun's reflection on that water coming up, they thought it was blood. And they thought they were about to go the way of all flesh also. And they ran. You say, well, the howl was the ditches. No, they they didn't think of that. Uh, The widow didn't think of the vessels. In Second Kings 4. Okay. The ditches are in Second Kings 3. Uh, the windows of heaven didn't get open in Second Kings 7. So the how wasn't the answer. It was the who. See, sometimes God will say, here's how I'm going to do it. And you're like, how on earth will that answer the question? How will that answer my situation? How will that solve it? I mean, you think about Daniel chapter 3 and the fiery furnace. They didn't wake up saying, Lord, we know how it's going to work out. And in fact, they left the how to God. They said, if he wants to, he's going to deliver us. And if he doesn't, we're still not going to change. We're still not going to bow down to either idols. And then they took Daniel and put him in the lion's den. He could have ended up just being a martyr, but he didn't. God didn't. That wasn't God's way. So it's the who that we need to plug into. You know, this is important for us to get. It gives us strength and it helps us with faith. One of the greatest examples that I, comes to, helps me, comes to my mind, that I apply to myself, is old Hannah. Hannah wants to bring forth a son, wants to conceive, and she wants to bring forth a son for her husband Elkanah. And his other wife is fruitful and everything, but you can tell from the passage that Elkanah's highest sentiments is towards Hannah, and she's so desperate that she had even quit eating, and she was just just burdened, and she goes to the tabernacle, and Eli observes her, and she's talking, and, and but. No voice, and she's moving her mouth, and it looks like she's in distress. He thinks she's been drinking, that she's drunk, and he rebukes her. And then she says, "No, that's not my problem. My problem's a broken burdened heart." And she tells him, "And Eli, under the inspiration of God, says, "You're going to have a son at this season next year." And the Bible says that she went away and was no more sad. This is before they'd ever gotten home. This is before she'd ever had relations with her husband. This is before she ever had any hint that she was going to conceive. By faith, she was no more. Her countenance was no more sad. Her countenance was changed by faith. That thing has helped me so many times. It says she went away and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. If you're writing it down, it's 1 Samuel 1, verse 18. She went away and she ate. She was living as if it had already happened the good. Lord Jesus Christ prayed and said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt not how father but who you your will i mean that's an amazing statement if you think about it what we have to do sometimes is we have to remind ourselves in matthew 17 when they couldn't cast out uh, that unclean spirit and jesus comes and does it They said, why couldn't we, in verse 19, and he said, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard steed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. You know, Paul said this when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, towards the end of his ministry, towards the end of his communication with any of his disciples, and of course here his his son in the faith, Timothy. But he, he said to him that, <clears throat> he said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Not how, but whom. The hows are from the who. The hows give us instruction. The danger for us is we find human comfort. We find human stability. Uh, we find human sanity in what we can see and touch and feel. I know you remember the story, the account in First Samuel chapter 4, where They had been defeated by the Philistines. Okay? And they went out against the Philistines and pitched. The Philistines pitched against them and they put them in array and they joined the battle. And Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of of the army in the field about 4,000. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4 And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us for when it cometh among us it may save us out of the hand of our enemies that's our temptation they needed the who they needed the whom one more verse and if you want if you will turn over there Romans 7 I've I've often contemplated What would happen if people would connect without their thinking that that number for a chapter, if they would connect Scripture sometimes? Thank God for the chapter and verse markings. But don't forget (coughs) that they were added later and they're not a strict division. See, in Romans 7, when he develops all that, that's in me and my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, verse 18, and... That what I would do, I don't, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He comes down and he says in Romans 7, verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil's present with me. Okay, but evil isn't who you are anymore. And your heart, if it's saved, if you're saved, your heart isn't desperately wicked. Your old nature is. But watch this. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What? What, what, what is he thanking him for? Verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me for the body this death? He is about to go into a passage of Scripture that tells us how to deal with that. And the vast majority of teaching, I mean, among us Bible believers, sounds way too much more like Methodists than it does like Bible-believing Christians. That we're trying to work through our own You can't work through your own. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Romans 8. Just a few sentences down the page here. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? Not how. It's who, not how-tos. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now watch. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So, it's not do away with the chapter markings and the verse, but read the flow of it and understand that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who, mark it, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then he goes into it, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that made me free from the law of sin and death, etc. See, it's not... How there, even amongst Bible-believing Christians, there's more and more how-to that comes out how, how you do this and this will give you victory and you do this and this will give you victory. The victory is not in the how. it's in the who. And the further you walk, if God's going to grow you and I, we're going to need greater faith. so he's going to bring something that challenges us and says, are you going to focus on how? Or are you going to focus on me, on the who and the whom? It is just a simple thought. And it's a devotional thought. But for me, it's been a very powerful thought. These verses, I'm sure you in your mind right now could run through other verses that have hit you and helped you. And there are many. There are many. Uh, I'm a great advocate of reading through the book of Psalms every month. I read five Psalms every day. Take the date and keep adding 30 and read five psalms every day psalm 27 1 the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid Simon Peter in John six sixty eight said to the Lord, when He said, Will you go away also? He said, To whom shall we go? You've got the words of life. And I think many times of Isaiah 6, where in verse 8, where Isaiah overhears the Lord asking, and the Lord, He said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for me, for us? Then said, I "Here am I, Lord send me. It's all about the who, not how. So maybe right now, or sometime in in the future, or looking back over some trials, you you struggled in your mind. Well, how's this going to happen? And how's this going to work out? And, how's and how is this? And the Lord says, Would you drop the how? I might tell you to go get empty vessels. I might tell you to dig some ditches. I might tell you that it's going to be abundance, and it's going to be greater than if I open the windows of heaven. But I'm not gonna. And it might be a fiery furnace, and it might be a lion's den, and it might might be like Hannah needing a supernatural fruitfulness. Whatever it is, the hows are from the who. Not how, but who.